<laughs> okay. <laughs> it's the big reveal episode. It's the big reveal episode. We can't even really call this episode five, right? Can we? <laughs> this is the this is the sixth time we've ever recorded. And somehow it's episode five, but it's actually going to be the introduction. <laughs> yeah, we're backtracking a little bit. We realize we got a little excited and ahead of ourselves on the first four of these. You know what? I don't feel that way. I understand why that is a thought that is that's a fair thought. I I don't really feel that way either, but I think as <laughs> as far as the parameters of how these things go, typically you're supposed to tell people why they're listening and who they're mm. listening to. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we should just no. maybe we should maybe we should stop recording and just just fuck it, scrap it. Yeah, let's do that. No, so here's here's why I think for me why I didn't why I didn't want to lead with who we are because every every podcast I've ever listened to somebody sends me episode like 44 I don't know who these people are and yet I listen to it I don't know what's going on all the jokes make no sense to me and yet I I listen yeah so I just I didn't feel like I I whenever someone sends me a podcast I don't go to the introduction episode like try to figure out the whole deal you're right yes I don't know. I'm I, not right. I trust me. I don't really do that either. I don't think I listen to podcasts with uh, a real mo- motivated force in mind. <laughs> I just click play and I'm there. So I, I think and suddenly I think, you are surrounded by friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think I think we approach them the same way. Yeah. Well, I mean, all right. So so this. This is ninth hold. This is it. Yes. This is it. And this is it. This is it. Um, and I'm Elena Latona. And this is also my friend with me. Aubrey Primer. That's me. That's us. And this episode is called What is a Ninth Hold? And we'll touch on that, I'm sure, a little bit, but... It's really just... I mean, we could explain what it is right away. You want to do that? Yeah, I mean, so I was thinking of... Because I kind of forgot how we came up with the name because we just were like, yeah, okay, fine. That's mm-hmm. what it's called. Yeah. Um, I think I just emailed you, like, three buckets of phrases that were like... I was like, these are phrases that are super relevant to, to things we've done that I, I've Googled and are not podcasts. And then I was like, these are, this was like a really long list. The second one was like phrases that were so wild. I should have, I should have pulled these up. They were probably really funny. We still um, can. All right. <laughs> if you want. Um, and just, it was like a second list of a bunch of phrases that were like so left field. And then I also called out phrases that I could imagine us thinking of that were already podcasts. Mm-hmm. And... I remember putting down ninth hold because one of the last things I remember Ryan, our friend Ryan, saying in the office before we closed down for the pandemic 
was he was like, I just like threw in a ninth hold. It's not going to clear, but I just want to be involved. <laughs> so <laughs> I just like was that was like really fresh on my mind because I thought that was so funny. Yeah. Um, and Aubrey and I both worked at the same booking agency for a really long time. Um, and I feel like I'm skipping over a ton about what a ninth hold is but yeah like should I get granular should we like I think so I mean it's it's funny because I I actually before the quarantine started I remember taking an uber to a show um I don't remember what the show was maybe something at Moroccan lounge or the echo or something here in LA but the uber driver used to be in a band and I was telling him that I was on my way to a show for work and he was telling me about how whenever he was in a band 15 20 30 years ago I can't remember how old he was or when he said this was happening but in the past in the past when he was in the band he and his bandmates would have to call the venues and put in their holes with the venue over the phone Yeah, and the promoter or the booker at the venue would have just a list they would handwrite in the holds for. And um, I thought that was so fascinating and just... It's ludicrous to imagine uh, tracking that. It is ludicrous, but (laughs) I, I, I was thinking about whenever I started working at the agency group, which is the agency that Elena and I both used to work at, which is now no longer um that was in 2014 whenever I started working there I don't know when you did what what year did you 12 yeah two years ahead of you right so 2000 which is like five like our age difference is two years so like I was just two years ahead totally so we were on the on the same track if you will um but yeah obviously us starting in 2012 and 2014 at a booking agency was very different than what this guy was talking about. It was about. like the Wild West when we were there, though. It was still the fucking Wild West. I mean, so I got hired there by a woman who was head of HR at the time for this agency that was independent. It was the largest independent booking agency in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was just turning 30 when she hired me when I was barely 21. Wow. And she was in charge. (laughs) She was the boss. But I guess, well, I'll just start. I'm going to go back into, like, just. So I got hired at the agency group when I was 21, Mm -hmm. (laughs) fresh out of college. Uh, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in music, but I knew that I really wanted to work in the music industry. And the booking agency seemed like a viable and in, in a in an impenetrable industry, I felt somehow I could get in there and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I had been booking shows at a pizza place in my hometown or like my college town. Yeah. And it just seemed like a natural progression to, you know, go from, you know, small town mountain school to New York City. Just a really supernatural organic, <laughs> super organic jump. Yeah. Um, so I did that, and then, uh, long story short, now the agency group has been absorbed into a larger agency, and I, I am there. Um, and in that time, I moved to Nashville, and now I'm back in New York. But Aubrey and I work together. Our bosses at the time 
we're booking a co-headline tour with two bands I can say with certainty neither of us were super into for any <laughs> reason. But yeah. but we, you know, we were part of the team and that's what she, it doesn't matter really how you feel. Right. But anyway, so we I was in a weird place in my life and Aubrey was just kind of a lot younger than me and as far as like she's so new to all this and I had been doing it for years and we just like really did not get along even though our relationship was totally remote yeah like, we didn't know each other we didn't meet in person until Bonnaroo yeah because you were living in Nashville when this all yeah. started and I was in New York so yeah we were yeah. we were dealing with each other just purely through the phone and email and email yeah. and our bosses like not really managing the relationships properly just like not telling either of us like what our real responsibilities right. were anyway well it was like just like, yeah. like you said it really was the wild west at this time it was and everyone wild was west. just doing what they could do and yeah s- scrapping it together yeah and and you were still learning how to like how it all worked oh, and yeah. i just was so over it at that point yeah and i think i I think for anyone who's listening and is interested at all how it all works is is very dense and convoluted at first because at a booking agency as an assistant you're learning how deals are structured and you're doing the admin the accounting the back end the border patrol everything for (laughs) literally Everything. Everything to make sure that a tour happens easily for the band. So I just remember whenever I was 21 and just starting at the agency group, learning all, all of these things and then learning the, the technical deal points of how a show comes together and all the expenses and the back end and learning how to calculate the walkout potential of a show. And things like yeah. that that are just so the concepts that are so nebulous at first, but you you become more and more immersed and learn how how to synthesize it all. And um, luckily, I had a great boss who taught me a lot, and I I really appreciate him, and he helped me get through it. But it was very overwhelming. You're kind of just thrown into the deep end and told to figure you have to figure it out and while you're figuring it out, you're also making sure that life on the road for these touring bands who a lot of the time are, are not making a ton of money. So need to make sure that that every single cent that's being accounted for is accurate. It, it's just a lot of pressure on a 21 year old. <laughs> Hell yeah, it is a lot of pressure. It's we think about we, you and I talk about this like every couple of weeks. We're yeah. like, why were we in charge? Right, exactly. Like, any of that. Like, like. So, I don't want to, like, this is not an educational podcast. No. We keep saying this thing, this podcast is not. I really hope one day we figure out what it is. Yeah, that's but all it, part of it. we are not zoologists. We are not doctors. Mm-hmm. We are not educators. But we educate in some ways. Yeah. But there are, like, just, there are, like, four types of deals that could you could mostly run into these four. And then there are, like offshoots of those that could kind of exist sure and you have to learn those four and and it's not as simple as like so for this show at this venue it's this deal it's you get the same recycled offer from a promoter with a different day on it and a different amount of money 
And you have to figure out based on the variables given. It's like it's like algebra two. Absolutely. We're doing algebra two, like intense algebra two, like pre-calculus, <laughs> yes. like trying to make sense of like 85 variables and you're plugging it into a system and hoping that when you push save, the number you get at the bottom is the same as the one on this shoddy offer from a promoter who literally couldn't give a shit. Yeah. And it's like a victory if the numbers are the same. It It is. Anyway. It is. And you're doing that for a roster of, I don't know. 30 bands. Three bands. I I was working with two agents and working for like 50 bands at one point. And I was just, my head was exploding. And like, you're not just entering one tour for one band. You're entering in, you know, you're like getting, they're like, all right, I'm confirming three tours today. Mm -hmm. Plus you already have three or four or five bands on the road or like getting off the road and you have to get finals and you have to settle the tour right yeah exactly anyway so that is our like we have our phds in um touring it's true Uh, (laughs) it's true if i had to go back and be a in some absurd universe where I, I say that and I immediately eat it because <laughs> it's not that crazy that that could happen right now. But if there's some weird universe where I have to backtrack and go back and be an administrative assistant to a touring agent, mm-hmm. it would be like, I don't know, it would be so easy and just like... right. Yeah. Like riding a bike. Exactly. You know? I was just going to say it is like riding a bike. Even whenever I see tour offers and deals sent to me now um, for artists I work with on the management side, I'm just like, thank God I had all of that experience because I yeah. can just look at this and check it, like skim it, check it really quick and know if it looks good or if there's something off with it. It's It's something that once it clicks in your head, it just sticks with you. It's very strange. It's pretty amazing, actually, that now, because you and I talk about this a lot, too, where we're like, we actually know a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we know how the touring world works in such a molecular, on such a molecular level. Yeah. That it's like invaluable knowledge. I will never take it for granted. I'll, I do not want to work in touring for sure anymore. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah. so that's 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 where we come from. Definitely, <laughs> we met working at a touring band company. Yeah, and I do think <laughs> it is worth pointing out that whenever we met, we were very much unsure of of how our dynamic was and what our relationship was what our friendship Mm -hmm. was we didn't even have a friendship Mm -hmm. at that point but no no we didn't but then at a certain point a couple years later I was in search of a roommate for my New York apartment because I was living with a travel writer at the time and she was leaving New York to go pursue that full time and travel. So she didn't need a home base anymore. And I was kind of scrambling to find somebody to live with. And I sent out an email to our list serve through the agency. And you were living in Nashville, but you wanted to move back to New York and you moved yeah. into my spare room and the rest is history. The rest is now, history. <laughs> now here we are. And, and now we have a podcast. <laughs> Is so much in between that. But yeah, literally, I remember vividly, your email is what pushed me 
to, to move. It was like, it, I, it came in. I literally had maybe thought about the idea for like an hour total. Mm-hmm. And then your email came in. You were like, room available. And I was like, well, that's my, that's my house now. Right. <laughs> I will live in yeah. that. <laughs> that's my cue. I'm out. So, yeah. And I, I have to say, I felt firmly that you were like, I don't like her, but okay. And I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that like so firmly, but I was just like, I'll make, I will make you like me. <laughs> I will, I will neither confirm nor deny that, <laughs> but <laughs> all I know is that I'm glad it happened and that we are such close friends now and have, have yes. developed such, such a amazing just friendship and relationship since then. And yeah. I think, I think it just ties into a lot of the things we talk about, about finding the people who will support you and encourage you and motivate you and inspire you to, to kind of like take those steps in life that, that you're a little bit afraid of, but once you do them, you feel better. And I think I'm very, very happy and grateful that, that it did all happen that way. And you really never know. And I think you have to, you have to just open yourself up to people. Even if you, even if you get, a sense that they they think you're an idiot and don't know how to enter co-headline tour deals. <laughs> look, you just got you just gotta ride it out. <laughs> look, we're not gonna get into the the this and that of that. But my life when we met virtually was a literal train wreck. I know. So that. But yeah. to be clear, I'm not going to get into what was happening, but the years were 2014 <laughs> to 2016, and it was horrible. I know. We were all trying to figure some shit out during those years. Uh, yeah, so I think that we met the way we did and how we did, and did I say when and how mm-hmm. for the at, we met at the right time. We did, yeah, and it's so funny because I was going through a lot of paperwork today just oh yes rummage, documents. rummaging through documents because what else <laughs> <laughs> what else do I do in this in this quarantine time I just was I, I was going through a lot of papers and old cards and just memorabilia I have a lot of tickets from just the mm-hmm. over the years that I've held on to because it's it's nice to look at them and reflect and remember, oh, yeah, that show at Prospect Park. That was such a nice day and so lovely. And um, I came across a birthday card you gave me in 2017, which I think. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think that's when you, that must have been when you moved in. Or Yeah, I moved in in 2017. It was January and you had just gone through something. So I wanted to make sure you had a nice birthday. You did. And it was a nice birthday. And that was Three years ago now, because my birthday's coming that up. That is... No. <laughs> Try again. Nope, it's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, so it it is crazy. Time flies, but yeah. It's, That's nice. It is nice, but it's it's funny to think, think about how the years go by and how... How you really do learn so much because at that point in May 2017, I had left the agency and was going back to grad school. So I was totally out of music for a while and 
I was definitely going through some personal things at that time then and just figuring it all out. And I think it's just pretty wild to reflect on all of that and, and think about all the ups and downs. But Ninth Hold and what a Ninth Hold is definitely has a big part of the, the narrative in the beginning of, of this podcast and our friendship and just sort of the information we're trying to get across and convey and the stories we're trying to, to tell. And I don't think we really explained yet exactly what a ninth hold is but basically i was just thinking that <laughs> so like it's like we're it's just like gonna we're standing in line we're just gonna That's dance it around it this no hold. we're gonna say it we're gonna say it so yeah. I, I explained my roommate asked me the other day she's like what is it yeah i was like all right yeah all right go for it to be fair i feel like i didn't understand it either until like two years in i was like oh but yeah what is this me neither <laughs> same well and honestly Someone can, you know, I think the reason that no one understands what it is right off the bat is because no one says it in plain fucking English. Right. Ever. I know. And it's so rude because a ninth hold, it's very simple. Let's say Agent A and Agent B want to book a tour at the same venue on the same day. Whoever emails the booker, the promoter of that venue first for that day, they have the first option. They are first hold. They have the first right to that day. Mm-hmm. And then everyone after that is in line. Second hold, third hold, fourth hold. Once you get to like being fifth hold, you're not going to get that show. And if you really want that date on that night at that venue, mm-hmm. you have to then challenge it. So yeah. let's say you are a ninth hold. First of all, if you're like, I know I'm ninth hold for this June 6th show at Mercury Lounge, but you know what? I'm going to challenge this. Yeah. You're going to piss off not just the promoter. You're going to piss off eight other people who have to answer the promoter in technically about 24 hours. Right. And say if they want that show or not. Definitely. So that's all it is. It's like after, if you're ninth hold for a fucking show... Like, if you're ninth in line for that date on the promoter's radar for who wants that show, like, you're not going to get it. Yeah. So it's pretty ridiculous to sit on it. Yeah, Um, they don't want you to get it. They really don't, because at that point, honestly, there probably aren't even eight holds. There are probably three, and they're just like, we don't... Exactly. Like, if you can sell (laughs) tickets, you're never going to be a ninth hold. Let me just be clear. Yeah, it's all kind of convoluted, isn't it? It is. It's a mind game. <laughs> None of it really. It's a power means, trip. There's no, there is no check nor balance <laughs> no. to that. <laughs> like it's a promoter not. can just you could be like, you could technically be first hold, but you're bringing in a band that they don't want. You're twelfth hold. Exactly. So it. There's and a lot. They'd to rather it. go dark. They'd rather go dark. Yeah. <laughs> Waste money on you. They don't want to bring their staff in for that show. Right. So anyway, I feel like maybe I explained that decent enough. Yeah, but... I think you did. Long story short, whenever you book a show, you have to tell the promoter, I want a show. Please give me a hold for the date. And if there are eight bands in front of you who have already asked for that same date, you're a ninth hold. And the chances are pretty slim that bad. you're going to get a show. So... 
but you still got to throw throw your name in the hat, you know? Get Just be involved, you know? Be involved, exactly. That, literally, that is what Ryan said. He was like, I just want to be involved. And I was just like, you are so annoying. Ryan Edmondson <laughs> said that? Of course. Yes. You were name dropping. Of course he did. I just wanted to confirm because there were Ryan Edmondson, <laughs> the man who books the band Arizona. Oh my God. Ryan <laughs> would say that. Shout out Ryan. He said it wasn't like verbatim. It was something like I looked at him and I was like, why? And he was like, I don't know. And I was like, <laughs> I love it. It's all tracks. I really you. love it. That's so good. Um,. But yeah, I don't know. I'm Elena Latona, and I work in entertainment. You can find me on LinkedIn if you're really curious <laughs> about what exactly I do. I I don't feel confident I should state my company name or my job title on this podcast, but you can look it up right. if you are so curious. Yeah, I definitely don't have a LinkedIn, so you're not going to catch me there. I deleted it for some reason, but... Aubrey I'm, hates networking. So. I'm Aubrey. I actually do hate networking. So that's that. Is, Everyone does. I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I also work in music and have been in a variety of capacities for however long now. How old am I? I'm about to turn 28. So seven years, I guess, on and off. That's pretty wow. crazy. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think... Like you were saying, Elena, we we do know things and everyone knows something. Everyone who's applied themselves in some sort of way for a extended amount of time takes things away from that. So I think that I think that's kind of where we're coming from with, with this whole idea about ninth hold and why it is kind of such a broad topic and why our past few episodes have have touched on so many different things in a in a pretty abstract way that that we think about a lot and spin our wheels about as it relates to the music and entertainment industry. So I do think it is relevant to mention that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I've been te- like technically quote like working I've been technically working in the music industry since I was, like, 16, so 14 years, (laughs) almost. Um, The first thing I ever did was, like, I found a bot from MySpace that would auto-friend request people based on who who they were friends with on MySpace, so, like, I was quote-unquote, like, working for this band, and then I would collect with this bot all of the IDs of people's profiles who follow or were friends with other bands similar to that band, Mm -hmm. and then the bot would then friend request all of those people. So I was really into (laughs) programming. How old were you when you were doing that? Like 16, 17. I just like I really liked this band and I really believed in the their music. Mm-hmm. I really loved them as people. I was very close to them. I went on tour with them eventually. They got like the guitar player eventually got me my first internship. Yeah. I mean, they they really informed they 
inadvertently helped me see who I am and what and that my perspective matters not like they don't deserve the credit but like it's like five six guys so I'm gonna say like they they were just a vessel with which I was able to figure out my voice Mm -hmm. in in a world where I had been living so invisibly like in my in my childhood I guess I I just didn't like no, this isn't like a sob story because I was like a very happy kid yeah, and I right. like loved music and was just like chilling and like got into skunk grades, went into school I wanted to go to, whatever. Like this is not mm-hmm. a sob story. I just fully did like did not have friends who understood things the way I did. I had maybe like two, no, literally like two friends I could count on. Yeah. Um, and then my and then my family and that was it. But yeah, the this band kind of felt like a window to the the kind of people I felt I could talk to and and relate to so without them i don't think i would have i don't know without staying up on like aim chat rooms in the middle of the night talking about like learning who tom lord algae and chris lord algae were Mm -hmm. and like max martin like learning those names at such a young age and like just like meeting people who kind of help you figure out who you are can really change the trajectory of your life so just to reflect on what you were saying like be a, just a mirror to the the notion of finding your people um yeah absolutely you, you can do that at any point in your life so totally agree I also do think music has a special way of connecting people not to be so um like hokey about it because I, I mean it in a sincere <laughs> way I, I don't think you're ever hokey just f I'll tell you if you're being hokey you're thanks not. Elena but um, <laughs> I I feel similarly to you and remember whenever I was 14 or 15 years old and would find bands on MySpace. And at that time, I was living in a really small town called Granbury, Texas, which is southwest of Dallas-Fort Worth. And there were a lot of emo screamo bands that would be touring around <laughs> Texas and would stop in Granbury and play at these weird random venues that were just kind of thrown together um, that were not intended to be music venues, but were just good, good, like, I was going to say. It's like a space you could, like, fuck up. I was going like, to say a B market, up. but this is like a J market. This is not even <laughs> this a market. This is, like, so far down the line. <laughs> yeah. This is just, like, four walls and a couple outlets. Yeah, this is just a way to, like, drink some <laughs> beer, I guess. But um, yeah. there were random venues that were just in neighborhoods, like, by my house. And then I remember there was a big skate park where bands would stop at and play shows and my mom would always drop my friend in me off. Uh, pr- might as well have been, you know. <laughs> so I remember going to those shows and just loving it and loving the culture and just feeling feeling a part of something that was so unremoved from what was actually going on in Granbury, Texas, because this was a really small town. In just completely rural, working class, just nothing going on. Like Walmart is the only thing that that was happening there. You know what I mean? Right. 
And yeah, my town was the same way. It was like we got like a Walmart and a Target in like the mid 2000s. Exactly. Before that, it was just like nothingness. So I f- like yeah, that feeling of like going to a show at like a fucking warehouse garbage center like it's not a venue and just being like wow the world is so big yeah in that small space yeah and some of these bands would get big i say in air quotes they would play like warp tour or whatever and and you felt like something you were seeing on a small scale was actually like reaching the world at large and it was it was really exciting as a teenager to see all of that happening and realize there was more than just that small town you were in. And I think I I had similar experiences to what you were saying. I would go to those shows and my friend and I would just love it. And we would, we became friends with the bands and would just stay in touch on MySpace and go to the shows whenever they would come back through. And just, it was so innocent and pure as a kid to, mm-hmm. to be involved in music that way and understand that you can have a real connection to the people and the music and I think that definitely motivated me as I got older and I moved to Florida whenever I was in high school and still latched onto music in a in a very different way Florida and Texas are both very weird places to be a music fan I will say because they're at the edge of the country I guess it's just like weird shit totally like i lived in i lived near tampa and florida and then i went to college in gainesville and then i remember whenever i started working at the agency we would book shows for fest and pre-fest which are Mm -hmm. two festivals that happened in tampa and gainesville and were just this just grungy hardcore punk emo mishmash it was always so funny working and touring and think reflecting back on whenever I was there and and whenever I was in Texas too and just the type of subcultures that that existed and sort of evolved around those scenes was was I didn't I didn't even realize I was experiencing it or witnessing it as I was until I was out of it and able to reflect and was like oh yeah that that was something I just would happen upon and, and go and enjoy and check out in my spare time. But that was really a part of something bigger. And I think I think it's, it's just good to, to remember that and keep that in mind. And I think, I think a lot of people have experiences with things like that in their day-to-day lives that they maybe don't realize is a part of something bigger than who they are. But it is. So... Yeah. Anyway, so. Amen. Amen. So then I had an internship at a record label in New York while I was in college at Florida and spent a summer in New York doing that and realized, okay, this is, this is probably how, how I should live my life working in music. It just makes sense. And I mean, obviously we don't have to get into everything we have over the past few episodes about just that, that ravenous interest and curiosity and desire about music that I we've both had our whole lives but I think it was really exciting for me personally whenever I had that moment that like aha moment where I realized oh I can have a job and do this and and be involved in something that that is genuinely of interest to me so Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I kind of miss the, um, not miss, the miss is the wrong word. I look back fondly at the way I used to feel when I would go to those shows or like even I I wish I had a stronger grasp on the memories I had when I was on that those two short tours I went on mm-hmm. when I was like 17. I just wish I remembered them better. Yeah. Because it was like pre social media. I mean Facebook existed. Twitter you could like I think you could text to tweet, but you like smartphones oh, yeah. weren't a thing. Like on the tour, one of the guitar players like got the first iPhone and we were all like whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. like holy shit you know it was like a big fucking deal um i don't know yeah i just i wish i had stronger memories of just the the details of all that but it definitely was like some of the best times of my life as small and irrelevant as all of it actually is now right it really, like, I wouldn't be the person I am without that. that yeah. That's truly so, so special. Totally. It all builds on it itself, you know? hmm And, like, it, yeah, you don't, you don't realize it at the time, but the more that you expose yourself to, to things like that, like those experiences being young and being on tour and helping TM a band or going and, and just seeing what the inner workings of of those random DIY shows are that that just helps inform your entire outlook on things so much. You know what's crazy? I think you know this already, but one of my coworkers where I currently work booked the tours I was on, right. which which means that those tours were like yeah it's just that is crazy to me and then in my internship I was working with a band that my future boss like the man that would employ me four years later Mm -hmm. like was sending me itinerary updates for it's just like it's so weird like the I was like it was like orbiting me that whole like for like three years that that agency (laughs) and then I ended up there so wild I mean that's just life you know yeah there's always something orbiting you and you sometimes you don't see it that way and then it just takes a slight shift in your focus for it to all kind of come into clarity it's true it is true very wild but yeah that's I guess that's pretty much us Pretty much. I mean, I don't really know what else to say. I've said my name like three times, which freaks me out. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I I just feel like we never say our names, which is fine. I don't want to say my name. We don't have to. I don't like saying my name. Our name is on on the description, I believe. So that's all. My name is Nicholas Cage, and you're watching Disney Channel. Oh, man. I love him in National Treasure. Is that what that movie's called? <laughs> Is that where they steal the declaration? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't watched that in a minute. Oh, my God. Before we started recording, I've took in so much media. Like, so much media. I had to record Chance the Rapper for work. Mm-hmm. So that was like on in front of me yeah and then my roommate and i watched the first episode of season three of ozark which was shot 
so beautifully yeah. that I was like, I never really look up the directors of episodes of television shows. Uh-huh. It's just like not, that's just not something I'm like super invested in. Mm-hmm. But for, this episode was shot so well. Everything about every moment was art to me. Wow. And, and I like said to Lindley, I was like, we were watching it and I was like, that was amazing. That's an amazing shot. I was like, fuck it. Who directed this episode? And yeah. it was in fact Jason Bateman who has supreme zaddy energy. (laughs) Wow. No, I'm so glad that you're mentioning supreme zaddy energy because that I don't usually react to TV shows that way either. But the one time I did where I just needed to go look up who directed an episode was that Barry episode that Hiro Murai. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. I think that's his Which name. episode was it? It's the one with the the little girl who is uh, Oh my god. Ninja. That episode is so wild. It's I still don't Okay, that so, is like some amazing television. It's so wild. I'm, like I went on Reddit hoping for an answer and the answer I got was it's purposefully nuts. And I was like <laughs> that doesn't help me at all. Is she supernatural? Why can she fly? Like, what is that? <laughs> That episode just impressed upon me so much, and I had to go look at more. Like, you obviously it's did, like, too. It is literally art. That episode is so well done. It's amazing. It's just, like, I don't know what's happening. It stresses me out the, with the, the glue and the sewing and the car and yeah. the dying almost. I can't, so like, much. I, like, so much gore. I, couldn't stomach it. Uh, but so much gore Bill Hader and, and is so, great. so much scariness. Bill Hader, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we love Bill it. Hader. We love it. We love him. All of it. Bill Hader is on the list. He is, but no, I haven't watched Ozark, but I know I should. Seems like people really it, like it. Yes, it took me. I watched probably. I think. It's 10 episode seasons, but I watched at least six episodes and then unfortunately no knock to the show. Forgot I was watching it mm-hmm. for some reason, as I do sometimes. Like I <laughs> forgot I was watching Sex Education. Completely forgot. Right. Um, anyway, so um, Lindley and I needed a show, my roommate and I needed a show to, to for something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And we chose Ozark because, well, here's what we did do. Go, to go back to Barry. Mm-hmm. Barry season three was slated to come out, mm-hmm. I believe, at the end of March. Right. And I had it in my calendar and was counting down. <sighs> and then it did not come out, but I didn't pay attention enough to see that. And we had caught up. Like, I was like, I'll rewatch it. I want to re you know and remember everything Mm -hmm. and she had never seen it so we got caught up and then I was expecting to see season three on Amazon or HBO or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and it wasn't there so we were like well shit now we need a show so we chose Ozark and it's so good it is very much the same intensity as like Barry or um uh the meth show I cannot Breaking Bad right (laughs) It's the meth show. It's very much Breaking Bad energy, like speed, tempo, like tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, even the way Barry's shot, like the literal, like, 
the colors that they use and like yeah, the like the treatments cinem- cinematic f- elements that they implement is very similar to Barry. That's cool. So, yeah, I'll keep that yeah. in mind. I in quarantine, I have been trying to keep it as lighthearted as possible and have just been watching mm. Sex and the City, which I've, I've joined you. <laughs> you have. I am on season four right now, and I can't stand it. <laughs> I'm just gonna put that out there oh no shots fired season four is terrible season one two and three i love season four i'm having a very hard time with i don't really know how to put my finger on what my exact problem is because i have a few different gripes and complaints about sex in the city season four but my main issue would probably be that you know when you're watching a show and you can just tell that the actors are getting paid more than they were in the previous seasons friends exactly later seasons yes it's it's like that it's that just shift where (laughs) i can't even i can't engage in the storyline because the way they act is not the same you know what i mean that's interesting yeah i mean i uh, yeah i don't know that phenomenon personally can't relate Mm -hmm. wouldn't know but i think that i think that you can smell it yeah, and the thing is on Friends, I don't mind it as much for whatever reason. I think because it doesn't happen until much later in the series. Like, they get, like, so hot all of a sudden. Like, yes. So, like, that's what I notice is that they're all, like, smoking hot. Right. Like, <laughs> out of nowhere, they get just, like, stu- Like, they were already gorgeous. They were mm-hmm. already just so beautiful. But, like, it's like that, like, someone, like, turned it up from, like, a six and a half to, like, and nine and you're yeah like, this is like hard to watch because you're so beautiful now right it's definitely like, it's like that <laughs> it's definitely yeah. like that and I mean I enjoy all the actors on that show but for whatever reason Sarah Jessica Parker in this season every I saw a tweet because I went I went on Twitter and wanted to see if anyone else had the same feelings I felt about Sex and the City season four. I and love that you do that. Yeah, and a lot of people were talking about how they liked it, and obviously, like, respect, whatever, like what you like. That's totally your prerogative. But there were a couple people that were tweeting things like. Sex in the City season four is just Sarah Jessica Parker screaming in every scene. And that's what it feels like. It's just her like screaming and shrieking and being cute and flirty and 35 in a way that is just very off-putting to me. I don't know how to explain it, but. I don't remember. I'm, I also I'm think on season one. So. I mean, we don't have to get so deep into Sex in the City right now, but her relationship with Big also is re-emerging right now, so I'm very irritated by that always because their relationship is terrible. Um, and I think it's just a horrible example. And I think there's a lot of things about that show that are just a really bad example. So I don't think you're supposed to like her relationship with him. I mean, and if you are, okay. But I don't think you're supposed to. I, I don't know. No, I think you're right. It's definitely written to get on your nerves is the point yeah well because he never well not never but he rarely does anything that's like actually wrong except for answer the phone when she calls right and like he knows like have an affair with her that wasn't good but yeah but like still no you're right though active participant him she's the one who like activates 
him. It's true. Like and he just is like okay with it. Him to her be. is never bad necessarily. He's never right. He's never he's actively mean or aggressive or no. just flat out bad. So I, I get. But he's mean. never aggressively her boyfriend either. You yeah. Mm hmm. That I like. I just try to make sure I'm not just like villainizing him because I genuinely see like. I see the mistakes she's making continually overthinking his every move when he's just like living his life. Yeah. And definitely. that like that stresses me out because I felt that not in like romantic ways, but like in a lot of other ways where people just like have this like inner monologue about what you're doing. Yeah. When it's like you're just like living like you're just existing in their universe and however they want to see it is not your really it's not his problem right that she chooses to you know definitely on a pedestal i agree with (laughs) that any anyway (laughs) i agree but anyway so in quarantine i've been trying to watch light-hearted romantic comedy like that and Except that one documentary we watched that we are not going to mention. That was bleak. We should we should talk about that offline because that that yeah. took me to a dark place. Yeah, I don't want to go into that. We should. <laughs> moving moving on. <laughs> we watched um, the dark place. I'm looking at what else. Yeah, I wrote down. Did we do a good job? I think so. for real fast mm-hmm. i'll go first so we do this you... every episode yeah you should go first we I talk about i did it's good for it's good for all people and all no matter if you have a microphone in your mouth or not to <laughs> <laughs> to, to think about something every day you're grateful for because just that action alone i think we think can provoke a better attitude so Without further ado, Aubrey, what are you grateful for? (laughs) Wow, what a grand (laughs) announcement. Thank you so much for that. What I am grateful for this week is I am grateful for writers and keeping it pretty broad. But I feel like as I've been sitting in quarantine, reflecting on things and really just trying to fill my time mindfully and thoughtfully. It's been, it's been really important to read things and stay plugged in um, via articles, books, whatever it may be. I'm, I'm going to keep writers pretty open-ended, like I said, but I think it's just pretty special to be able to feel connected to a person through that format and I have definitely been reading and staying in the know as much as I can during this time and I just I feel sincere gratitude for people who take the time to write an article to keep people informed and I know right now it's really hard for journalists to maintain employment and jobs because the economy is so shot and the market 
is in such a, a tough spot for, for so many different industries, but that especially I know. And I, I do really appreciate that there is a free press and that we live in this society, honestly, knock on wood, I hope we do for a while, that, that prioritizes that and promotes that. And I appreciate those people who are out there sharing news and, and writing it. And I appreciate authors of books because that has been something that's been really keeping my mind at ease during this time. So that's what I'm grateful for. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Reading words. Language. Reading words. What about you? Um, I just wrote delivery people mm-hmm. like USPS, UPS, FedEx, the guy who brought me my burrito, the, <laughs> the, the guy who brought me my alcohol. Um, except not there's one guy who delivered something to me the other day who was like a real asshole for no reason and i was just like con- confused by his questions wow and i i was like i'm like you know i'm an adult i'm a grown-up i'm respectful i'm very much like you anyone who is like upset i'm like you are probably right because i don't know what's going on right so i was very much on the offense with this guy but you know i'm still grateful for him i just felt like very confused by his whole thing but the world is in shambles so whatever it was sure it was valid okay whatever was going on with that man all right um but yeah i'm grateful for anyone who will show up with a stupid burrito for my stupid ass at 10 yeah. p.m. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they deserve some gratitude. I I agree. Yep. That's good. That's all I've got for today. <laughs> okay. So now what do we do? Now we should pivot Stat. to the games. Stat. What you, are you saying, Dad? Stat. Stat. <laughs> You want to do the stats? <laughs> I'm just trying to invent my own version of the singing baby voice. <laughs> Let's do the stats. Statistics. Okay, count it down. Three. Should we two. say? Wait, should we say what we do? Yeah, probably so. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for this game, Elena and I choose. Two stats before we record. One is silly and one is serious. And we count down and on the count of one, we say silly or serious and each of us have to read the corresponding stat that we have. So now we're going to count it down and see where it lands. Let's do it. Do it. Okay. Three, two, one. Silly. Serious. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay so you're okay read a silly stat, and i'm gonna read a serious stat should i go first or should you go first mm, i don't remember let's do silly first all right are you sure okay that's good news but yours is not like yours are like not bad news but they're like they're downers sobering. for sure they're sobering. I wouldn't say downers. They're it's important. Anyway, so uh, my silly stat is humans started using chili peppers over twenty four hundred years ago, and people have likely used hot sauce even before then. And I found that at spicyexchange.com. <laughs> spicyexchange.com. Hell yeah, it's a website. 
What else was that's that's pretty amazing. It just I googled stats about hot sauce because Erin sent me a picture of a hot sauce that she likes. How many years ago did you say? Twenty four hundred. That was the first use of chili peppers ever recorded. Twenty four hundred years ago. Yeah, two thousand four hundred, and that people likely had been using hot sauce even before then. So I'm, I'm just curious, like what's in like caveman hot sauce? So know? that's like BC hot sauce. That is pre Christ. <laughs> pre Christ. Guy Fieri fire. <laughs> Guy Fieri in the cave. Guy just- Fieri said. Yum. <laughs> I don't know what that. I don't know what. what is it Fieri or Fieri? It's Fieri, but it's Fieri. It's Guy Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Who knows what they were doing with it? But they were using chilies in their dinos driving and dives. <laughs> dinos. That's really, dinos. That's really special. The dinosaurs were using the hot sauce. <laughs> I don't think di- I think dinosaurs were not around 2400 years ago that was much much longer ago are you sure I'm not <laughs> at all I don't <laughs> I I have once had the thought that people in the 80s may as well have been pilgrims I have no proof <laughs> I wasn't there yeah I mean who knows <laughs> anything is possible as far as I'm concerned at this point in time you so. can't tell me that the 80s m- weren't primitive they were. I mean, it's the 2020s are still primitive, so. I am a caveman. Surprise. Yeah, it's pretty depressing, but. <laughs> okay, anyway, your turn. Let's move right along to the serious stat. So what I learned was that when male economists in the 1930s developed the national system of accounts they decided that women in their traditional roles as housewives were economically inactive producing nothing of value to society if this labor were valued even at the most minimal imputed wage it would account for approximately 40 percent of world production and salary estimates of how much money would be required to buy the services of a full-time mother and housewife on the open market in 2009 ranged from 125000 to more than $700,000 a year. So um, so what you're saying is housewives should get a salary for being a housewife. Pretty much. And that the fact that it would account for 40% of world production if it was acknowledged as a contribution to society is pretty amazing to me. 40%. That's a lot. It's wild. And I think... The that was kind of a lot to read, and I, I got that from a book I've been reading called Sex and World Peace, which I, I'm really enjoying. But I think the fact, first and foremost, that male economists are are creating this precedent of what what is valuable production wise for the economy and for society is is a problem, and the fact that women are contributing labor because raising kids and getting them from point A to point B and keeping a home just above water is takes time and days and energy and true 
pa- like woman power, you know? So I think, I think it's just kind of crazy that if you were to pay for that same sort of service from somebody, it would be a six figure fee, you know? And the fact that women really are contributing so much to developing their homes and keeping the people and their families safe, but not like we talked about last week, not being given a platform to be decision makers in the bigger picture of society. And we were talking about um, women in in the government and policymakers and how they account for such a small fraction of the total total amount of people who are making these big decisions for for society but they're ultimately the people who are who are creating the opportunity from from the beginning so it's just always sobering to me to to see the statistics and the numbers that back up the huge disparity of representation for women versus men so something I think is important and I think it the housewife example is pretty pointed and specific but I I think it it again transfers and leads over into women being undervalued for their work in a lot of other ways too and that's my serious stat so should we do the word games now yes okay do you want me to read them to you first, or you read them to me yeah. first? Yeah. So okay. this is a word association game. There's really no grand purpose other than I love it, and I think it's so interesting. Uh, I love I love responses. I love um, I love reactions. So not in like a weird way. Like I I I used to prank. I used to play pranks on my parents that were so harmless. Like. I would hide things from them in, like, the microwave or, like, just move things ever so slightly just to, like, see if they would notice. So this is just – I just enjoy that. And, like, with the statistics game or the statistics uh, portion that we do each episode, it's just Aubrey wanted to make sure that people walked away with something that was, like, a tangible fact about the world, something that you can carry and share. So that was – yeah, just uh, us inserting little pieces of our personalities to uh, make this place more, a little more colorful and personal. So that's the point of the word game is just it's funny to respond. It is funny. Lie. It's funny. It's fun to do. A lot of the times we can't really hear each other, so we fuck it up, but it's still all good fun anyway. <laughs> and it's so – and I feel like – yeah, we just, like, learn something new. Every oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay, I'm going to read these to you now. Go. Yellow. Coldplay. Night. <laughs> Games. Trampoline. Party. Brick. Drowning. <laughs> Swamp. What? <laughs> okay. What did, what did you say? Swamp. Like the marshy, swamp? the marshy wetlands. A swamp. A swamp. Alligator. Okay. 
I couldn't hear the S. I was like, is she saying womp? Like, womp, womp. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> See? Exactly. Exhibit A. It's hard to hear each other sometimes, but we, we make it I, And the thing is, I, like, lean into my microphone as if that's going to help, like, <laughs> help me hear you better. Um, but did you get when, when I said brick, when I when you said brick, I said drowning? Yeah. Why did you say that? Because of Ben Folds. Ben Folds? That song, Brick. I don't know that song. Yeah, okay. Yes, you do. Do I? Oh my god. I can't sing. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it. I can't actually hold on, is this gonna work? Yes. You ha I oh my god, this fucking commercial. Mm-mm. Supreme scalp. Be supreme. Nothing? No memory of that? You've never I heard don't, that before? I don't know. Like, maybe it played at Hollister when I worked there. Is that the kind of vibe? No. Oh I don't God. know it. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell oh you. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that reverence just went right over my head, and I apologize to you. <laughs> I just, I real like, when you said that, I was like, I'm so happy that's what I thought of. But you were probably like, what <laughs> no, like, I was okay I, anyway I truly was but I'm glad I'm glad you your synapses got to connect that way that's fun that's the whole point okay you ready mm-hmm thrill ride righteous cowabunga okay that all right thermal pants you always say pants. <laughs> Gremlin. Ears. <laughs> Inferno. Dante. Nice. Dante, I have him. Remember? You do, you do. He lives with me. I have a bust of Dante. Thermal um, pants. That's that's a thing. It's like long johns. I know what... All right, Uniqlo. I know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> all right you feel flush. like every time i say so one of my words you're like pants <laughs> i don't know it just makes sense maybe you're thinking of pants and i'm saying it for that reason hmm. okay. or maybe not i don't know there's really no rhyme or reason to this <laughs> gremlin okay. ears yeah have you seen the movie gremlins it's I did when I was young, but not in a really long time. I'm really sick of you. Okay, this is the last episode of our <laughs> podcast, so I'm glad you tuned in. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know. I just really want you to watch. I know. Okay, I really well, wish that you understood. Like, you and I are not the same. We know that. Like, We are not. I know. Except for when I eat a burrito and watch Sex in the City, and then we are the same except for when we watch savage garden videos then we are the same someone had to say it (laughs) yeah we did (laughs) then and only then are we the same (laughs) my heart rate just otherwise we're very different um we are not the same but gremlins is a movie Mm -hmm. that 
you know what it is. Don't uh, feed, don't yeah. feed them after midnight. You know what of a course. mogwai is. Yeah, I know that much. It's technically a Christmas movie, which let's do the say something no one has ever said before and see if you know the reference I am making in mind. Oh, now it's on, huh? Yeah, it's on. All right, well, let me let me introduce. This. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like you're like zero for two right now. Sorry, I don't listen to Ben Folds and haven't watched Gremlins. Okay, well, you just, I just need you to know that you saying that doesn't give you points, Aubrey, okay? Okay. Even far less points. Uh, That's fine. I am who I am. I'm not, I'm not mad at you. (laughs) I say that sounds Okay, let's move on. (laughs) Okay, so, so this is another silly little baby game that I used to do with (laughs) do with my brother because he's like two and a half years younger than me and when you're little at a certain point one of you is like very much sentient and the other one is still kind of just like a blob of cells that can talk Mm -hmm. so I used to make him say shit that was ridiculous because he could hardly speak but it was hilarious so that's that's what this is it's just Aubrey and I say some sentence or a fake fact or just a mishmash word salad of things that someone's never said before. So, yes, that's right. Cool. <laughs> the space commander energy from Tim Allen and Galaxy Quest is the blueprint for Elon Musk. Uh, I love Galaxy Quest. Okay. So, so you get a point. It. I love how they laugh. I love how they clap. I love Sigourney Weaver is the lady. And then Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman is amazing in it. And Tony Shalhoub. I can't think of who that is. He's in, he's Monk. (laughs) That cast is kooky. That movie is amazing. Where did Tim Allen go is the question. I don't think we want to know. I do want to know. I want answers. So it's Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, Tim Allen... Tim Rest in Allen. Peace, Alan Rickman. Ugh, so sad. Snape. He's amazing. Is it? Is he? What else? What else was he in? Like every Harry Potter, he was what in made Love you think Actually. Of Galaxy Quest. I love that movie. I'm so happy that you've seen it because I feel like if I had to guess, you would have not seen it. Not only have I seen it, I've seen it so many times, maybe more than any other <laughs> yes. movie. And it just, I was thinking about it the other day about being a manager and just management in general and what the best type of demeanor to have as a manager is. And I immediately thought space commander energy, space commander energy is the (laughs) ultimate confidence because you're just navigating space. Yeah. When you're an actor, so you're faking it right but elon musk i'm sure took some notes from tim allen in that movie and also elon musk was on my mind because of this this child that was born we don't have to get into that Uh, like i'm here for the memes but at the same time every time i see one i'm just like enough i know i think i think they're some of them are pretty funny that was a good one that was a really good one thank you did i redeem myself for not listening to Ben Folds. 
It's more the gremlins I'm upset about now. I mean, I will say I should probably watch gremlins again sometime soon. It's just been a really long time. I don't know. It's also a Christmas movie. I mean, it's like not a Christmas movie. It just takes place in Christmas time. And I think, honestly, I think there's just snow on the ground. I don't <laughs> even know. No, there's a Christmas movie. I was just going to say, I have seen E.T. a lot of times too. So I think I've just kind of danced around Gremlins. And to be fair, Gremlins is super violent and a little scary. Yeah. Like there are some, there's like a whole scene with the mom and they're like in the kitchen and it's like really violent. Mm, um, and yeah. I kind of forgot about that. But it's, there's also a part where he's like, one of them is like swinging from the fan and it's just like so funny. Yeah, Galaxy Quest though. That's my, my dad also loves that movie. If you oh, say yeah. Galaxy Quest, he just lights up. It's such a dad movie. Same. My dad loves it. It's great. <laughs> I think it's, it's great. because they all, they all grew up with like Star Trek and Star Wars and they just yes, love the parody. Right. I agree. You gotta honor Alan on this podcast. What am I thinking of that he was in that was not Harry Potter? That was, like, another, like, fantastical. I loved him. I know. Me too. Let's see. I'm looking at I'm looking at his thing, too. Galaxy Quest. Dr. Lazarus. Oh, my God. He was so good in Blow Dry. Have you seen that? I don't think so. Oh, you would like it. Yeah, if Alan recommends it, I would definitely like it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Look at the movie he was in in 1991. I see. Saw truly madly deeply of course <laughs> it all goes back all right what's what's um, yours major segue so as you know i can't ever come up with one i don't know what to do can i just like read them all really fast sure all right Are you ready mm-hmm this is a mosh pit for blindfolded lizards. I'm refrigerating my mind. You are the guarantor of a skating rink for buff guys. What flavor is your therapist? My rhino likes garlic salt, but we welcome change. This jar of bones is the dean of the school of fiberglass. Oh my god. <laughs> um, well, I got pretty hung up there on the guarantor of the skating rink for... Did you say buff guys or tough guys? buff guys okay yeah right that's that that's the winner to me (laughs) what you didn't like that your lizards made a a, an impact on me (laughs) i did but the the skating rink for buff guys that is such i have such a visual in my head of that and being the guarantor and just hanging out i can't believe you said trampoline party (laughs) yeah i did didn't i it makes me think of, of just a, a backyard with many uh, trampolines and people are just well, partying on them all. One, sounds awesome. But two, you know those like jungle gyms mm-hmm. that you can take your kid to or like those like gyms and then it's just like the whole floor is trampoline? Yes, right. My brother used to go I, to those. Yeah, so did mine. I never got to go. Me neither. <laughs> What the fuck? Oh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's not fair. Wait a minute. Not us. It's that thing of like my mom was so stingy about egg rolls whenever we'd get Chinese food. <laughs> she, like she would only get like I swear to God, there were four of us. They would get two egg rolls and make us split them. But like, a plethora of other food was like serious. 
It was like, we are not ordering more than two egg rolls. It's like, why? It is connected. I can't explain it, but the the bounce. What? The trampoline warehouses and the egg rolls are the same mentality. (laughs) Why? I can't explain it. But it's true. Trampoline warehouse and egg roll energy. <laughs> it's the same. Anyway, I think yeah, I think we'll leave it at that. Riddle us that, mom. <laughs> R- riddle. If you're listening, mom, what's the deal with egg rolls and the lack of trampoline? Right. Mm-hmm. We'll circle back on that. We're gonna. You know what we're gonna do? Straight up out of quarantine. You know what we're gonna do? <laughs> what? We're gonna order 45,000 egg rolls. Yeah. And we're gonna rent out a trampoline warehouse. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking pay every single egg roll. Yep. <laughs> trampoline. Give me that sweet and sour spot sauce. Just douse the egg roll in that, please. I will literally give you a vat of sweet and sour sauce and <laughs> you can jump into it from the trampolines. <laughs> <laughs> Just a just a perfect swan dive into the vat of sweet and sour sauce from the trampoline. <laughs> like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs>